Welcome to The Run. I'm Anna Bellinghausen, your host for the day. Got Tommy Frazier, Johnny Rogers, hey. and then our very special guest today, Tom Osborne. Don't need any introduction in the state of Nebraska. Tom, thanks so much for being here. Good to be here. Yeah. Yes, thanks so much. When's the, when's the last time you guys all got together in a room and chatted? Never. Never. This is the first time. This is the first time. Okay. The first time. I mean, Coach was always in a meeting room together chatting. (laughs) So this it was kind of it's kind of a good thing to be back in the same room with him. I've I've done a lot of individual time with each (laughs) one, but never collectively. So I want to take you back to Johnny's days. When was the first time you remember seeing Johnny Rogers and just the talent that he had? Well, looked at uh, film on Johnny and. I guess that's the first time, and uh, <clears throat> he obviously was a guy that uh, could do a lot of things, and uh, uh, Bob Devaney did a lot of the recruiting of Johnny, and uh, I did a little bit, too, so I, I visited with him a couple times, but um, you know, when Johnny came in, freshmen weren't eligible, and uh, and that was... <laughs> That was a his freshman year was not a very good year for us. I think we were six and four, Johnny, and uh, I think we lost to Oklahoma forty-seven to nothing down there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, things were a little bit tense. And then uh, uh, Johnny was eligible the next year. <clears throat> we had Jerry Taggy, Jeff Kinney, went out and got some junior college offensive linemen, and. Uh, Things kind of fell into place. Was well, the year before you guys Joe, won the the Big Eight uh, the conference championship? Mm-hmm. That was right before we went to, to the Orange Bowl the next year. We won our first mm-hmm. national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my um, sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, when, when Johnny got eligible, things got better. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> now, you want eligible academically or, or, or athletically? <laughs> athletically. You yeah, yeah. Yeah. was in the classroom. Oh, yeah. I had to go to classroom. Everybody had to go to class. What were your first memories getting to Nebraska and meeting Coach Osborne at the time, the offensive coordinator? Well, my first memories was just as a freshman. Like I said, we didn't really get to play as a as a as a freshman, so we had a freshman team. So we played on the freshman team, and uh, we were, our, our big excitement was just actually get, being able to, to interact with the, the the varsity and those guys. And uh, uh, Richie Glover and myself, Daryl White, all of us uh, were down on the freshman team, just wishing that we could get in the game. When did you realize how special of a player Johnny would be once you got to <clears throat> just see how he could play and how he could run? Well, I, I think once <clears throat> once we got a chance to see him on the varsity, of course, freshman freshman ball a little bit different. I think they only had four games. Right. And uh, so we could get glimpses of him. But spring ball, then everybody's together. And uh, that's when you could begin to see what Johnny could do. And I, I would say that Johnny probably could do more things on the football field than than most any player we had. He was a great return man, obviously, and a great receiver, and he's also a good ball carrier. And so uh, Johnny was probably worth 10 to 14 points a game, just uh, having him there, and that made a big difference. So 69, I think, was that your first year? Johnny or 70? 70 was my first year on varsity. 70, okay, yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, we won them all that year. I think we got tied by USC that right. year. And then uh, won a national championship. And 
Actually, kind of backed into it. I think we were rated fourth going into the the final game on New Year's Day, and the teams ahead of us all got beat. Right. And we beat LSU, and uh, we we're national champions. And in '71, nobody came close. We had a great team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oklahoma came close. Well, yeah. <laughs> I do want to talk about that 1971 game of the yeah. century. Number one, Nebraska, of course, against number two, Oklahoma. You were, again, the offensive coordinator at the time, and then the 72-yard punt return for the touchdown. I, I've heard you talk about it before and saying that that wasn't even the biggest play of the game for you, but, of course, that's the one everyone remembers, mm-hmm. the, the punt return for the touchdown. What do you remember exactly from that play? Well, I remember the biggest block I ever had was uh, Joe Blaha had, had a big block. Uh, I had um, – you know, uh, Greg Pruitt and I were, were pretty close friends at that particular time, and we had been out different uh, uh, places for All-American things, and so we, we were pretty good friends, and we had talked to each other about what mm-hmm. we were going to do to each other, this and that and other, and I could see him coming down now. I knew he was going to be coming, <laughs> but uh, he didn't get there quite quick enough. Uh, but actually, I, after I got going and he hit me and I got away, I just worked my way down the field and tried to get to the sideline, and uh, Joe Blaha I seen him in front of me. He turned around and went in a complete circle and came up to the sideline and was able to knock the guy off my back right before rigor mortis set in. And I was able to score a, a, the first touchdown of the game. What do you remember about that play, Tom? I remember being happy. <laughs> <laughs> that was very helpful. And, uh, and, of course, Oklahoma has continued to claim that Joe – Clipped the mm-hmm. guy, you know that was that was their big story. Yeah, yeah. The thing at, that, at home, at their yeah, home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. But I think I think people might be interested in that. Uh, Johnny never for, fair caught a, a punt, and that's unusual. And uh, today I see guys fair catching, mm-hmm. and nobody's within fifteen yards of right. <laughs> and Johnny had well, even on that return, I think he had two or three guys within yard yard and a half of you oh yeah and uh, so uh <laughs> john john would catch the ball no matter who was there how hard they were coming and surprising number of times he got away got out of it and that was one right there that was pretty unusual just the start of it was probably the the most significant thing that you did on that run well, I think the the big thing was that we had devised a, a system where we had a man that got the first man. That was his mm-hmm. job to get the first mm-hmm. man. And then I had to take it right on from, from there. So Greg happened to be the first man. He didn't get that man that time. Uh, but that was the system. And I don't see them working that right now. They have no men back with right. them. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's always somebody there when they catch it. But if they could get the first man, I was able to get a step. And that, that enabled us to, to really get going. And uh, we had guys that really took um, special teams serious. You know, they really wanted uh, to get out and make a block. You know, that was a big thing to get a block. And I got to the point where sometimes I call a pump return right and I'd go left. And then I call a left and I go right. Mm-hmm. So we just stopped calling uh, anything except for everybody to get a block. And everybody would try to get a block, and more times than not, uh, they made a great effort at it, and uh, it became a really a big deal for them to be there to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Coach, how much influence did Bob have, Bob Devaney have on your office system back then? Well, <clears throat> originally, when they came from Wyoming, they um, Bob had been at Michigan State with Duffy Doherty, mm-hmm. and they had really good teams there, mm-hmm. and Duffy had run a unbalanced line, full house, backfield. 
So when you say full house, it, it was a little bit like the wishbone, but in the wishbone, the fullback's up tighter right. and the back, halfbacks are mm-hmm. deeper. We were kind of straight across. Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting because um, we had uh, sometimes our leading rusher was our fullback because the, the halfbacks would be lead blockers. Mm-hmm. We really had some good backs. We had Kent McClellan, who played a lot of years with the Raiders. We had Bobby Hahn, who played with the Steelers. We had Bill Thornton at fullback, who uh, played a number of years uh, with, I think, St. Louis. And uh, a lot of a lot of talent. When, when Bob first came to Nebraska, I was a graduate assistant that same spring. And they were really surprised at the talent we'd had because they'd only won three games year before mm-hmm. in 1961 but the thing that had changed was that uh, and I, I, I talked to a guy yesterday that had been on those teams back in the early late 50s early 60s <clears throat> and they were practicing four hours a day and they were mm-hmm. scrimmaging on Friday mm-hmm. and when Bob came <laughs> we uh, had helmets and shoulder pads on Monday full pads on Tuesday two hours Thursday was sweat clothes, mm-hmm. hour and a half. Friday was 30 minutes, sweat clothes. And Monday so, was off, wasn't it? Yeah, and Monday was off for Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> he, never, he never had those. So, but what happened was that uh, the players had their legs back under them, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so uh, the, the talent was here. But anyway, we ran an unbalanced line full house. And uh, then we kind of got in trouble we played uh, a couple times against uh, Alabama in the Orange Bowl. And they really had good players, but they had small offensive linemen. They, they'd recruit linebackers and full and, and fullbacks mm-hmm. to be offensive linemen. So they'd be 190, maybe 200 pounds would be a big guy. And they beat us. And so we thought, well, maybe we should be using smaller offensive right. linemen. <laughs> and we went in that direction. And we got our head handed to us. We, yeah. we and uh, we had two six and four seasons. In the second one that I mentioned earlier, we lost to Oklahoma badly. We lost to Kansas State here in Lincoln. It was eighteen to nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and <laughs> there was a lot of uneasiness among the fans. They didn't necessarily want to get rid of Bob, but they thought Bob should get rid of some assistants. And I was one of the assistants. Mm-hmm. I had a wife and mm-hmm. three kids and. Uh, so I told Bob, I said, you know, maybe it'd be a good idea if we went to junior college. We never recruited junior colleges. And um, so I went out to California. I got Carl Johnson, Bob Newton, Dick Rupert, and Keith Wortman. And three of those guys played in the NFL. And uh, so that helped us. But the thing that really helped us most was a lot of those kids off that freshman team, mm-hmm. like Johnny got eligible, and uh, that turned things around. And then also Bob asked me in uh, 69 to redo the the offense. And so we went to an I formation, and uh, and it was an entirely different concept. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's kind of what we stayed with from that point on. Also spread formation. We used both. Mm -hmm. So anyway... I know you started as a unpaid assistant too under Devaney, and I read that you your only perk was that you got to eat at the training table. Mm-hmm. Right. What drove you to want to be a coach so badly? 
<laughs> well, I didn't really want to be a coach. <laughs> you know, I I came back uh, as an NFL for a while and, and had a hamstring injury. And uh, in those days, they didn't take very care of you. They shot with Novocaine every week and told me to go out and play, and I did. And finally got so much scar tissue, I, I couldn't accelerate. And uh, so I came back here, went to graduate school, and I knew I would miss athletics. And so I thought, well, <clears throat> maybe I could be a grad assistant and kind of ease my way out of it. But I had no plan to be a coach. And uh, so I went in to see Bob first week he got here from Wyoming. He said, well, I really don't need any coaches. But he said, I've got these guys over in Selleck Quadrangle. And uh, most of them were from Chicago. They, uh, Marquette had dropped football. We brought a bunch of guys in. <clears throat> they'd, throw the, they'd thrown the dorm counselor out, and they were running the show and causing trouble. He said, if you'll move in with those guys and settle them down, I'll give you meals on the training table. Pretty big deal, huh? Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. <laughs> so I did, and broke up a few fights, and and they, they uh, began to hate, behave themselves. And So then when spring ball came, Bob said, well, uh, I think we can maybe use you as a grad assistant. So... That was the start of my coaching career. Mm. One thing led to another, and I finished my advanced degrees and and kind of sitting on the fence, didn't know what to do. And finally went in and see Bob, and I said, Bob, if if you'll pay me $10,000, that's what I can make as a professor, then uh, I'll, I'd like to try being a full-time coach. He said, okay. I wasn't sure what he'd say, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of the start of it. And then at 35, you become head coach at Nebraska. What were mm -hmm. some of those first things you wanted to do to implement your culture and your systems after being the OC there? Well, we didn't change a lot of things um, because we were coming off a pretty good run, you know, uh, two national championships in the 72 was Johnny's last year. And uh, we lost two games that year, but we went down – beat Notre Dame badly in the Orange Bowl. He had another touch, uh, punt return for a touchdown. And so there wasn't any reason to mess with what we were doing. And I continued as the offensive. I, I continued to call plays. And uh, But the, the issue was this. Uh, a lot of those coaches had been with Bob at Wyoming. And all of a sudden, here I was, 35. Mm -hmm. And he taps me on the shoulder and says, you're going to be the head coach, which – was a little bit surprising, and some of those guys weren't real sure about that. Right. Some of them, <laughs> some of them were real sure they didn't want that. Right. And so it took a while to kind of work that out, you know. Yeah. But it was good to have Coach Devaney there to help you help that process along, though. Mm -hmm. Well, Bob was the AD, right. so he had the final say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Some of those coaches decided they would leave, though, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, one one went down to. Miami, and eventually became the head coach there. Was that Coach Selmer? Coach Selmer, and then Jimmy Walden also right. left, and Jimmy became head coach. And then later, Warren Powers left and went to Missouri. Right. He he, he started at Washington State, then went to Missouri. And then Monty Kiffin uh, became the head coach, I think it was at North Carolina State. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it was in the NFL for many, many years. So there's some really good coaches there. I always thought it was really a benefit that uh, our assistant, assistant coaches that uh, Coach Devaney had 
are qualified to be a head coaches at most places. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they decided to stay a lot of times because we were going to bowl games and were getting bonuses. And as it, I think that Coach Devaney, whenever he got a bonus, that he would uh, split it up with the staff. Yeah, he was usually pretty generous, and right. uh, it was that was really good. And uh, people, you know, Bob. Bob had a temper, as you probably know. Oh yeah, but he, <laughs> <laughs> but he always got over it real quick. <laughs> and you know, when practice is over, to have your arm, his arm around you, and uh, so he was a really good people person, good right. sense of humor, and uh, easy guy to be around. And uh, so I was with Bob for golly, almost thirty years, you know, as an assistant, and then as, as when he was AD. Mm-hmm. So. We had a pretty long relationship. I heard you and Johnny ran some stairs together quite a bit. Yeah, we did. We knew every step in the stadium. <laughs> <clears throat> and, uh, you know, if Johnny was late or did something, then <laughs> he'd run steps. And uh, and I, I would run with him so we could have close companionship. <laughs> you know, we became very good friends. Yeah, these were after the horseshoes and the turnarounds. <laughs> <laughs> was Johnny a, a troublemaker? Troublemaker? Oh no, no! Uh-huh. I just had to, uh, not, not late. They just wanted me to practice on Monday. <laughs> I thought you actually had to get a day off. <laughs> and he and he took a day off. <laughs> well, that's okay because he won a Heisman, so it it all worked mm-hmm. out in the end. But uh, yeah. that nineteen two national championships, in two national championships, and the nineteen seventy one team specifically. A lot of people talk about how it could be the greatest team in college <clears throat> football history. Tommy will get to you later on too. <laughs> Don't worry. But uh, would you say? I mean, is it the best team that you've ever seen in college football? Well, I think certainly for that time, yeah, it was it was a very good team, very dominant. And as Johnny mentioned, we did have a somewhat of a close game at Oklahoma. But uh, the interesting thing in '71, Nebraska was rated number one at the end of the season. Oklahoma was two, Colorado was three. So sometimes people don't realize. How strong the Big Eight Conference was, right. and uh, and that wasn't by accident because in the Big Eight Conference you had forty five initial scholarships. Imagine that that's almost double what you can give today, right. and there was no upper limit. So if you kept people, you'd have one hundred and sixty players easily mm-hmm. on scholarship. Today you have eighty five, and the closest conference to the Big Eight in standards at that time was Texas. They could bring in 50 initials, but they get, they only had a total of 100. So they ran a lot of kids off. They'd bring them in, run them off. And uh, so we, we had a very strong conference. And then the first year I became head coach, the NCAA moved in and said, we're gonna have a national standard. Uh, isn't gonna be the Big Ten here, Southwest Conference mm-hmm. here. And so it became, I think it was, 30, 35 initials, and maybe 110 total. And that was a pretty big shock because we had 160 kids on scholarship, you know, at that time. Well, I always thought that uh, the significance of uh, our era for the 70-71 is that we got it started. We started there. Uh, I wouldn't think that, you know, in 94, 95, when Tommy came in, teams and players were getting better. They had better training, they had better food, they had weight training. But to, just to be able to be there at a time where the Coach Devaney 
had coaches like Coach Osborne and our other coaches that I said would assistant coaches that were like head coaches could have been anywhere that they all came together and stayed uh, to make that happen there to get that started uh, to put Nebraska on the map because Nebraska prior to that was not really on the map and uh, Coach Devaney was able to do that with the help of his his coaches and so we started things off where people like Tommy wanted to come to Nebraska mm -hmm. and without that. Uh, then it would not have gotten started, would not have been that. But uh, when you compare the two teams athletically, I think that they would probably be far superior because of the, the different advantages that they'd have uh, coming in 10, 20 years later. Mm -hmm. Coach, well, um, so we'll, we'll talk about the 70s, and then there was 20 years in between championships. How much did the game change between that time until 91 when, you, when I was being recruited? Well, I don't know, Tommy, that it changed drastically. Um, we still did a lot of the same things. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that changed was the size of the players. You know, um, when you played, I think 250, 260-pound lineman was pretty good size. Right. But we had Dick Rupert back right. when you played. I think Dick was 205 pounds, maybe. Yeah, Red Baron. But, yeah. yeah, Red Baron was yeah. probably about that big. And, Slowy. But we did have some other linemen that were maybe 225, 230. And then now these guys are 300, 330. Mm. 300 pounds is not big, really. It's right. about average. And I think the, the thing that has changed is the um, high school strength programs are much different. And really, when, when Johnny was there... The early before that, we didn't have a a uh, winter conditioning program, but we got thumped by Alabama, as I mentioned a couple times, and uh, we decided we'd we'd do uh, a conditioning program starting in January, and that was the first time that we did that. Mm -hmm. And because it used to be a player would come in, and he'd have to be in shape on his own. And he, he'd usually start practice about the first September. And then when the season was over, in spring ball in March or April, and between those times, the summer and the, between the end of the season and spring ball, players were on their own. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, as you know, as time went on, things got to be pretty much year-round. Year year yeah, yep. year Is round. that when Boyd first came in when, when I came? Mm -hmm. Was that just Boyd's first year? Yeah, but I think Boyd. I remember. See, Boyd was a <coughs> pole vaulter on the track team, and he got into weightlifting, and uh, and so he got up around two hundred twenty pounds. And at that time, they used bamboo poles. Right. And he kept breaking the poles. <laughs> and the, yeah, used, <laughs> the head, head track coach <laughs> was Frank Savine, and he was not happy right. about that. <laughs> and Boyd kept telling me, he said, you know, I think I can make your football team better and with weightlifting. And in those days, people felt like if you lifted weights, you'd be muscle-bound. Mm -hmm. Right. Couldn't comb your hair and all that. So I took Boyd in to see Bob, and uh, I said, uh, Boyd here would like to introduce weight training and bob was old old school he said no he said I, uh, and finally because we'd had a couple kind of rough years he said okay he said but if we don't get better you're fired that was his opening right. statement to boyd <laughs> so uh, anyway boyd came in i think boyd really helped us he was the first full-time i believe first full-time strength coach in right. college football mm-hmm 
Yeah, let's skip ahead to Tommy's era too. So in the mm-hmm. 1990s, a little bit more of an effort to recruit those faster players, and you get the number three recruit in the entire nation and Tommy Frazier. I read that there was some tears shed when he committed. I don't know if that's true or not, but what was your reaction when you knew you were getting a guy like Tommy Frazier? Well, we're really pleased because I, I watched his film, and uh, he was the best option quarterback I'd, I'd ever seen. And uh, I have to give credit to Kevin Steele because yeah. Kevin – was the guy who recruited Tommy. And uh, Kevin later bounced around other, a lot of other jobs. And right now, I think he's a defensive coordinator at Alabama. Yep, but yep. I bet he's been to seven or eight different schools. And uh, But uh, Kevin was a good recruiter and uh, somehow resonated with Tommy and his family. And uh, I went down and visited down in, in Florida and uh, talked to them and uh, – we were really pleased because I, I think, as I recall, Notre Dame was very interested in Notre Dame, uh, Clemson, Colorado, Syracuse. Yeah, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. I think most anybody that uh, that wanted to have a quarterback that was dual threat recruiting Tommy. Yeah. You know, I think the interesting thing that when Coach Osborne came to the house visit is right after he lost to Miami in the Orange Bowl 19-0. Mm-hmm. And my dad was never really part of the recruiting process. Well, for some reason, this one day he came in from work, saw Coach Osborne, and looked at Coach. He said, you look a hell of a lot better now in person than you do on TV last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Coach Osborne, yeah. We, you know, he started watching But my dad actually went and took a shower and came back and actually sat down and listened to Coach Osborne. Mm-hmm. And that was the only mm-hmm. coach he ever did that for. Because wow. he didn't really care about recruiting. But for some reason, Coach Osborne was the guy that he actually sat down and listened to. So you can thank his dad. Yeah. <laughs> for getting time. Well. <laughs> well, no, thank Kevin still my mother for playing a lot of cards late at night on official visits. Yeah, yeah. So, Coach, what do you think the difference in recruiting is today and uh, against prior times? You know, I don't think we're recruiting as well as we as we used to. Is there a mm. difference now than before? Well, that's that's not for me to say. Um, I would say this that. Uh, one thing that changed pretty dramatically was when Bill Callahan came in. Uh, he'd been he came from the NFL, mm-hmm. and uh, first meeting he had with the team, he said, "There's too many of you," because he'd been working with 52, 53 players in the NFL, and so they set about getting rid of a lot of players. <laughs> And uh, the walk-on thing kind of went by the wayside. Okay. And the thing about Nebraska is that uh, we don't have a huge population base. And uh, one point, probably at that time, 1.5 million, something like that. And uh, so it, it isn't the same as USC. It isn't the same as Alabama right. or Ohio State, where you've got maybe – uh, 30, 40 guys within 150 miles that are four-star, five-star players. I never quite knew what that was. They used to call right. them blue chip. But, right. but, I mean, really good players. And uh, so in, in Nebraska, you'll have maybe four or five a year that are big-time players. But then the thing that I learned when we had 45 scholarships was that sometimes the 44th or the 45th guy that we recruited – turned out to be one of our very best players. Mm-hmm. So we began to realize that, you know, if you took guys that were a ways off coming out of high school, put them in a good conditioning program, and if they really cared about what they were doing and they were motivated, 
a certain percentage of those guys would turn into really good players. And so that was probably, if there was any one edge we had, is we were bringing in about 20 kids a year. They were non-scholarship, but uh, probably seven or eight or nine of those guys would end up playing for you and fairly significantly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was something that we had to work at, and uh, and we did, and that helped us. How did we get to New Jersey? How did we start recruiting so many guys out of New Jersey? Well, Monty Kiffin went back there first, and uh, we got Daryl White and Richie Glover from, out, from back there. And New Jersey was kind of a different place because uh, there wasn't any home state school. Oh. I mean, you had Rutgers, I think, or mm-hmm. nearby, but that Penn State was probably the biggest competition in New Jersey. But at least kids there were going to leave, most of them. And so we got some good players out of there. And, uh, of course, later, Johnny Rogers got Mike Rozier, Irving Fryer out of there, too. You know, And I remember we sent Frank back there, and, and he got off the plane. And, and that's a different world. And he had no idea where to go or how to rent a car or anything. And uh, I think he was so discouraged that first trip that I... We had a long talk about, well, stay with it, you know, mm-hmm. and he did. And we had some good players. I want to talk about that 1993 season, the one you came to a close loss against Florida State. Mm-hmm. How much did you learn from that loss? Because sometimes those are the things people take away most from rather than the wins is the losses. Well, the one thing we learned was we didn't want to have that same officiating crew again. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I've I've never made a living of uh, complaining about officials, but there were probably two or three games in all the games that I was uh, uh, associated with where that was a, that was a problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sent the film in to the uh, conference commissioners, which is a neutral officiating uh, judgment body. And they, then the report came back. He said well, there were 13 bad calls in that game. Mm. And 10 of them went against Nebraska. And so one of them was Corey Dixon ran an 80-yard mm-hmm. punt return. And there was nobody that you could even imagine clipped. And somehow late that flag comes out. And then their fullback carried the ball at the one-yard line, fumbled in the end zone. We recovered. And they called it a touchdown. And... Uh, and so, and I, I remember, I think it was in that game that um, we had a fourth down in inches. And uh, mm-hmm. if we'd made that first down, we'd have gone. They, they wouldn't have gotten the ball back. Right. And uh, so there's a lot of things that, mm-hmm. that came up that game. But I was proud of the effort. And uh, we, I walked away from that game. Um, even though we lost and it was a national championship game, I felt really good about it because I felt we played better and and strangely enough Bobby Bowden talked to me years later and he said you know you guys you played better than we did and and it was true we did and uh, should have should have probably won that game but we didn't yeah I mean as long as just we what we learned was that we were right there that we can play with anyone because for years we everyone said we couldn't go down and, and play against the speedy teams like the Florida States the Miamis but that year showed us that even though we lost the game, we actually beat them. And mm-hmm. so we just stick together and continue growing that we're going to be a pretty good football team 
for some years to come. Yeah, that 1994 team, of course, coming right back and winning a national championship, your first as head coach. How special was that season? Well, the thing that was kind of remarkable about that year was the resolve of the players. I think they put a minute 30. Minute 16. Minute 16. Up on the screen in the stadium. And every time we practiced in the stadium, there was that minute 16 because that was when we went ahead. Mm-hmm. And then they came down and, and beat us the year before. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of focus. And, uh, you know, in 74, we lost Tommy. Uh, we lost um, a couple of defensive backs. Mike Minner. Mike Minner was, was hurt. And uh, so we had, had some real adversity and uh, had some close games. But uh, it seemed like we had a tremendous amount of resolve that year. And I think a lot of that came from the year before mm-hmm. and that loss. And... Uh, and thankfully, at the end, Tommy, we, well, first of all, uh, I'll just mention this about Tommy's injury. The doctor said, you know, he's got a blood clot that goes pretty much full length to the back of his leg. And uh, and uh, he's definitely not going to play this year. And he may never play again if we can't dissolve it. And uh, so I know that was a tough time for Tommy. And... Uh, so, uh, a scary time for all of us, and uh, but thankfully he was able to come back and play at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and uh, he hadn't he hadn't played a, a live a scrimmage play in I don't know must have been about two and a half three months. Yeah, it was basically the whole season that was the third right. game of the year, and mm-hmm. yeah. then I was done for until well I was able to come back for the Oklahoma game in emergency purposes only. Yeah, I think you were suited yeah, up. Yeah, I was suited up on the sideline, and it was kind of mm-hmm. funny because that was, that was a game to where they didn't have my wagers re- remade, so I had to. Be, I was actually wearing number seventeen, mm. and so <laughs> so that was the reason why you, I'm on the sideline with the jacket on, <laughs> you know. But I didn't have to play that game, and, and it, was, it was a good thing because it gave me another week to fully to fully heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you come back in that 1995 season fully healthy, and then the team just gets even more dominant. I mean, looking at the numbers, you averaged uh, beating every team by at least 38 points. You averaged 53 points yourselves. What went into that dominance of the 1995 team? Well, we had a lot of good players. <laughs> yeah, we were we were in really good shape that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody was focused. And, you know, sometimes you have good players – but there may be a dissension or a lack of focus, and things still don't go well. You, you, I always felt there. If you look at the start of the season, there are probably seven or eight teams that have enough talent to win it all. But it may be injuries, it may be dissension, it may be coaching. You know, this little things get in the way, and and eventually there's somebody at the end. But we were pretty dominant that whole year and uh, I don't think we had a real close game I think the closest game was Washington State mm-hmm. 14 points yeah. was 14 the closest points. game yeah, yeah, that, yeah. it was worse than that then coach took us out in the third quarter and they started making a run and like okay let's go back in and control this thing yeah. <laughs> also you have to bring up the run 75 yards of course against Florida breaking seven tackles uh, what do you remember most about that play just running 
Not stopping. You know, they always say you run until you hit a whistle, yeah, and, right. and, and that's basically what I did. Don't you know? look back. Don't look back. Just keep going until you hit a whistle. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I didn't think I did anything special on play because you just keep running, and then next thing you know, I'm running down the sideline by myself. Mm-hmm. Coach, what do you remember about that play? Well, <clears throat> I thought it was about a six-yard gain, <laughs> and, and I thought, well, maybe it's a ten-yard gain, and. Well, it's gonna it's gonna work out, <laughs> but um, I also would imagine that Steve Spurrier had a little bit to say to his uh, defense in in tackling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had a hard time yeah. tackling that game. They weren't yeah. they weren't tackling very well that game. No. Yeah, but uh, but Tommy ran through a lot of tackles. Yeah, it was probably the mo- probably that one or two of Johnny's punt returns and that. Run there was one of the most uh, spectacular plays from scrimmage I I can remember. Yeah. Well, guys, before we wrap up the show, I want to talk about this current team as well. Of course, plenty of excitement being in a winning record at four and three with Matt Rule, uh, Coach. I want to start with you just on your overall impression of the season so far and where this team and program's at. Well, I number one in, in terms of Matt, <clears throat> the the coach, he's a really hard worker and. He's a pretty good recruiter, and uh, I think uh, the the, player, the team has played hard. Uh, maybe a little bit of an asterisk with uh, the, the game against Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. and I think maybe that got out of hand early to where they couldn't see any, any light at the end of the tunnel. But the rest of the time, they've really played hard, and defense has been pretty pretty special. Offense, they've had a, a tremendous number of injuries. You know, they've lost top two running backs, top two receivers, and uh, two, two, two offensive linemen are down. And, uh, you know, I, you've seen maybe that many injuries, but it's usually spread across offense and defense. Right. This has all hit the offense. Offense. And uh, so I'm, I'm just hoping and praying that they can hang enough points on the board. Uh, the, the defense probably going to hold us in most games. I mean, you're going to, should be within striking distance mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. And then, of course, kicking game is going to be a big part of it, too. And I think we got a reasonably good kicking game. So just have to keep our <laughs> – there's no game left on the schedule that we're not capable of winning. Right. And there's probably no game left that we're not capable of losing. So right. it's going to lot, depend a little bit on turnovers and attitude – but I think you're going to get a great effort out of them and uh, sure hope they can get to bowl game. Now, this year, I think people say, <clears throat> well, if they, if they have a winning season and, and uh, get to a bowl game, it's a good year. That used to get you fired. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Real quick. Real quick, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Nine games was the hot seat back then. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you go 9-3, it was a bad year. <laughs> Uh, how, how, how much things have changed around here. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Right. Has it been tough for you sitting back and, and watching the, the losing seasons? Has it has it been hard? Well, it hadn't been fun. Let's put it that way. And uh, But, you know, you had COVID. You had a lot of things that were somewhat disruptive. And we had some, a lot, we had a couple years there where we didn't get beat bad. And we were in every game in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't close the game, and uh, so um, yeah, it was. It's been difficult because we went forty-two years 
without a losing season. And I thought, well, we'll, we'll never have two losing seasons in, mm-hmm. in, in a row. <laughs> and uh, now we've had, what is it, five, six. So it's been, it's been a tough stretch. And the one thing I would say this is this, that uh, we have to give quite a bit of credit to the fans. Because I think most places, if you had five or six losing seasons, you'd have 30 40% of your seats empty. And we've continued to be able to sell out. And to me, that's a, one of the most remarkable things that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's probably a real advantage in recruiting because uh, recruits see that. They see that there's a lot of fan support. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, hopefully we'll work our way out of it. Yeah, that's one thing that hasn't changed for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Last couple questions. What advice have you given to Coach Rule? Because I know you've spoken to him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm I'm a great believer in not having some old guy come in and, and say he's got all the answers. So I, I don't ever tell a coach, well, this is what you ought to do. But if a coach asks me uh, something, then, then I'll tell him what, what I think or what I know. And so they had an open date a couple of weeks ago, and so we sat down and we we looked at film for a couple hours and with the with the whole offensive staff, and uh, and so there were some things there that uh, we talked about, but I I can't say that I really have ever tried to intrude in what they're doing. But if they if they want me to do that, then I'll do that. So, do you think they put enough emphasis on special teams? Well, I yeah, think I feel that, football I think, is offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah. You know? I think during during some of this stretch, probably not, Johnny. I, I think these guys are working pretty hard at special teams, and they. Uh, I've been out there and watched practice, and they're when that when that kickoff area or punt area comes up, they they're working at it pretty hard. So, uh, think they'll return any. Like you said, there's too many. I don't mean for touchdowns. I mean, I'd like to see some returns. Yeah. Yeah, period. Uh, I agree. And uh, so I think now with Kemp being hurt, you know, he's their number one punt returner. Right. Uh, It's it's a little hard to know. Mm. And sometimes I think coaches just kind of hold their breath and just hope they They catch catch the punt. (laughs) That's what I noticed. They They just don't buy to to, to catch it. You know, they don't uh, fumble. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. There's no question that when you played, punt return was a was a weapon, and now it's just sort of a neutral thing mm-hmm. where you're trying to get the ball back and do something with it on offense. But um, so anyway, that's and that depends a lot on who you got returning the ball, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, so we'll hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Coach, before we let you go, um, just ex- explain you have teammates, you have your mm-hmm. foundation. Just explain mm-hmm. to people how what it's all about and how they can get involved with teammates. Because I know you have a big push of trying to find as many mentees for for kids across the state. So yeah. how can people mentors. get involved? Mentors. Well, the best way to get involved is this teammates dot org. Mm-hmm. Very simple, and that walks people through the process of how you become a, a mentor. And uh, so we mentor kids uh, grades three through twelve, and then we do some post secondary. A lot of First, one thing we found was that for first-generation college student, where nobody in the family had gone to college, mm-hmm. that um, 
only about uh, 65% go from year one to year two. But if you provide a mentor, somebody who's been there, done that, Mm -hmm. for a college freshman, then the odds of them staying goes up to over 90%. And so we do that. But the primary focus is on grades 3 through 12. We're mentoring about 10,000 kids uh, in five states now. Most of those are in Nebraska. And uh, just a couple things that we think are worthy of knowledge, uh, acknowledging is that um, graduation rate for teammates uh, every year varies a little bit, but between 95 and 98%. And the majority of our kids are kids who are free and reduced lunch mm-hmm. or kids who are single-parent family. And you, normally you'd expect that to be a 70 75% graduation rate from high school. And uh, and so that that's a big difference. We find that about 85% are more hopeful about the future. And most kids are growing up, or a lot of kids are growing up in circumstances they're pretty discouraging, mm-hmm. and when you're young, you kind of assume, well, that's the way life's going to be. It's always going to be that way, and uh, but a mentor can kind of show you the way through, right? Where there is some light at the end of the tunnel, and that you can do this, and you can. Uh, we and we work on strengths, you know, building on strengths, because everybody has some strengths, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we try to make sure we acknowledge those. So anyway, it does work, and. Uh, we can sure use the help because we always have about a third more kids mm. who want to mentor than we have mentors. So anyway, that's what we're doing. Well, Coach, I'll leave Husker Nation on this last question. Should Husker fans be optimistic about the future of this program? Well, I, I think so. I think uh, I think Trev Alberts is doing a good job. And uh, I like I like what I see of Matt Rule and, uh, and the fans. <laughs> They're still there, and that's one thing that makes us somewhat unique. So I think we'll pull out of it, and if you look at most programs, Oklahoma went through some really tough years, Mm -hmm. even Alabama and places like that. So it's not always going to be up here, but uh, the question is to get there as much as you can. So I, I think it'll be okay. Well, Coach, thank you so much yes, for the time. You, we really appreciate it. Great to see you. Yeah, it's good to, good to see these guys. All right, Coach. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let's go run yeah. some stairs, Coach. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> A Heard at Sports Network production.